Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie and with me as always is... Hey everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Today you might get some extra content. Uh, we have an auction going on down the street and since I have the windows open, you might hear a lot of commotion and chatter because man, do Midwest people love their auctions i don't know what it is it's like you you don't see these people at all there's nobody around all of a sudden somebody mentions an auction and like everybody shows up all these people show up with trailers i don't understand it's like they have like uh spidey senses of auctions and they just show up well i assume that there's some way there's like i don't know the auction network or something that these people know about because they always know when it is like normally i'll see the like some not normally but sometimes there's a sign that says, you know, like a state auction or whatever. Um, and so you know ahead of time. I haven't seen any signs for this one. Well, it's the same thing with yard sales. Like as soon as the yard sale's up, there's somebody there immediately. Like I don't understand. It's just like they know. They can, like, ooh, yard sale, I got to go. And then they just, you know, change their clothes and get ready to go. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I'm i not one of those people. To be fair, I've never been to an auction, but... Um, I hate yard sales. I hate garage sales. Um, I'm not a haggler. I also don't like haggling with people, so I never want to sell my own junk. I would rather give everything away than try to make any money because I don't want to deal with yard sale and garage sale people. I don't want to haggle in real life, but I'll haggle on the <laughs> internet with the best of them. Yeah, you're a real tough guy on the internet. I'm the toughest of guys on the internet. If, if any of you ever see Jason try to offer you a trade... Don't be offended. Don't, or try to buy something. Don't be offended if it's on the internet. He just like loses his mind. And you're someone, it's something really nice. And someone's asking like $100. And he's like, I'll give you 25 cents five, of Pop Tart, $5 and a jelly donut. <laughs> you know, like, <sighs> yeah, don't be offended. Just say no. And then, you know, I'll, I'll stop doing that. That's how you go. Yeah. He's not. Being a D-bag on purpose, he just is one apparently on the internet. <laughs> I wasn't sure what I was allowed to I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say. That wasn't the word I wanted to use, but I thought maybe it was the acceptable one for the podcast. Basically, we can say whatever we want in our podcast. I just try to not use uh, the language that Tipper Gore would not approve of. I know, no, I don't want to be a potty mouth <laughs> uh, on the podcast. Absolutely not. I don't want to get the little E next to like our... Um, <laughs> Our episodes, although I bet those of you that actually listen regular, you'd be like, whoa, what went on in this episode that is marked explicit? Watch out. I want to start marking them explicit just to mess with people's heads. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But speaking of Tipper Gore, our daughter. Okay, so I don't know if we have people that listen to the podcast that aren't old enough to understand our Tipper Gore reference. So. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think so. Most of our listeners are... Uh... They're older. They're older than we are, I think. Yeah. They're well seasoned. Yeah. Our youngest daughter is like vying for like Tipper Gore. Like if she could slap parental advisories on me and her dad, she <laughs> totally would be. Like she just gets on us. Like not even for actual bad words. Which yes, I I sometimes say on accident in her hearing. But like She yelled at me for saying pissed a couple days ago (laughs) some people don't like that she yelled at me for saying something was stupid um uh tipper gore that's funny yeah i i feel like i've always watched what i've said but wow it's like it's 1984 up in here (laughs) it's on tv too like when we're watching a tv show and you're like did you hear what that person said 
Rory, we can't or, we can't control what people say, okay? We're not like the the language police. Thought police. She's gonna move <laughs> on to thought police. I know you're thinking a bad word, mommy. How dare you? She gets that way about the mu- music in, in the car too. And I'm like, I, I didn't write the song, kid. I can't. <laughs> <sighs> oh, the joys. The joys of children. And apparently auctions. I bet some people are saying bad words there too. Oh, hundred percent they are. How dare you you stole that from me from a dollar? I bid 50 cents on that thing. You don't know what auctions are really like. I have been to an auction before. Thank you very much. So you have win. I used to go with uh, my parents would go sometimes and I would go with them. Yeah. Uh Calm down. The only auctions I've ever been to are livestock auctions because that's how Midwest farm girl (laughs) rural kind of person I am. So if any of you, if if any of you are garage sailors, yard sailors, auctions, bargain hunters, more power to you. Because you live I, in the I Midwest, if you are. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming they have those other places. I don't. I don't. I have no idea. I'm from the Midwest. I have no idea. I don't know. They're just really prevalent around here. Anyway, we've yammered on for a long time and not about anything game related. Sorry, guys. And we're not going to make this an explicit episode. <laughs> So let's move on to news and crowdfunding. Don't even. (laughs) Okay, now I'll just get it to myself. (laughs) Let's talk about news and crowdfunding. Every once in a while, you know, I indulge in a rant. So when I want to talk about news and crowdfunding, there are lots of things I can rant about. Um, For example, there's been some... Some people that are upset about uh, representation of females in in games, over-sexualization of females, which, you know, I am absolutely um, on board, irritated, upset by that because it does happen a lot in, like, the comic book, board game, video game kind of medias. However, if you want to be upset about something, go on Kickstarter and start railing on all the people that are making miniatures and stuff because I can't tell you the number of them that I see that are fully funded in like five minutes for some busty looking zombie pirate female or something like it is stupid. It's stupid. Like what? Just because it's it's stupid. Just because it's the end of the world doesn't mean people can't look good. Just because in the world doesn't mean that <laughs> people can't cover their bits or that there aren't women that don't have boobs as big as their head. Like, what in the world? This is going to be an explicit episode. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it just makes me so mad. It makes me so mad. Like, really? If you want to be a 3D printing pervert, keep it to yourself. Okay? Get it off Kickstarter. Or or just pass it around to all your pervy friends. Like, what? Like, And why aren't we mad about this? Like, women in the board game community, I want to support you. I want to appreciate you. Um, so if someone is genuinely intentionally trying to include women and do their best, yes, sure. You're absolutely able to educate them and say, hey, this still is a little bit over-sexualized. Like, why couldn't it look like this? But why aren't you really fighting the real fight about these blatant, ridiculous miniatures on Kickstarter? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. And, and, and I know, like... You can like what you like. I get it. Absolutely. But I've never once played an RPG or a minigame and thought, you know what? You know what this character needs? 
ridiculous boobs and no clothes. That's exactly what they need. No, they need a big Johnson. That's what they need. Well, there aren't any of those miniatures on Kickstarter. <laughs> you can't see them because they have pants on. <laughs> and why do, Why are they wearing pants? I mean, come on. If, if, if we're talking about equality here, let's go. I don't. Anyway, see again, explicit episode. Oh, my gosh. You're going to put that in like the subtitle, aren't you? We got Can't boobs. We, explicit. we said the word boobs. <laughs> we said the word Johnson. Yeah. I mean. You're the one that said that word. I don't say that word. <laughs> but for real, like there's no like meaty dude eye candy 3D printing files for me to download or what. You know what I mean? Like what the heck? Okay. So that's my one Kickstarter rant. My other Kickstarter rant that is actually relevant and you heard me mention this before, is I get so irritated when I go to a Kickstarter page that I really am interested in the game. Like, ooh, this intrigues me. They have this little video. The video, video normally is like all flavor text thematic. Fine. I'm cool with that. I like a good story. But then I go to your Kickstarter and I want to find out how, what is this game like? And then the first thing you show me is all the pledge levels. I get pissed off. I'm like, I don't need to know what's in the box yet because I don't even know f- how the game plays. But okay, let's say I'm taken in by the shiny things, which we all know I am. Then I expect to see a game overview. Here's how you play. I don't want to see, like, click on this video below to see a playthrough of our game. No, thank you. Download our 125 million page rule book to see how the game plays. No, thank you. You are supposed to be selling this to me, marketing this to me. Why, why would I back this if you can't, you know, at least give me like a few basic step by step, like how a turn works. My favorite was really great as I've seen a lot of um, companies well, where they'll break down what goes on in turns and they'll give you like a little animated clip. It's short, so it's not a long video. It auto plays. You go through and it shows you the different things that can be done on a turn. So I see it happening on the board. I also get the description of it. And while it's not obviously the complete rules, it's a good idea of what kind of gameplay I will experience. If I want the complete rules, then I can download your bloated, probably badly done, not edited rule book. But until then, you got to give me a basic idea of the game. So if you are pondering a Kickstarter, those are my different advices to you. Piece of advice? Advices? That's terrible. Way to go. I just went, You're good with, I went on a, I just words. saw red and my brain stopped working. Like I just, <laughs> hey. So let's talk about some Kickstarters that, and, and these have done fairly well because I honestly, if I'm, even if I'm super interested in a game, if it gives, it, it does a potty word job of explaining the game to me, I'll just move on and not talk about it. Not that they care about my support on this <laughs> channel, but just saying. So the first one I do want to talk about, and that does show um, kind of how you play the game, is a game called Through Ice and Snow. And this is by Two Tomatoes, a little indie publisher from Spain. I don't know what else they've done. They have, I've, I've heard of another one. I can't tell you what it is, but I do know there's another kind of popular one that they do. But it's real cute. Uh, their little logo and everything. I think it's cute. Anyway, so Through Ice and Snow is actually like a very, what I think, looks to be a very thematic game about exploring the Northwest Passage. So Canadians, Inuits, I don't know if we have any Inuit listeners, but this is for you. Um, exploring the Northwest Passage. So it's got worker placement, and so you've got crew members, and what I think is cool is each of your crew members has kind of a different, like, unique abilities that work when you take actions. 
and you can there are like crew members on your ship that you're sailing on there are also um you could get inuit guides and they actually worked with like the inuit nation to be really um like accurate and represent them well which i think is awesome because you don't have much representation like that in games um so they're you're placing them getting stuff there's events and challenges that happen each round as if you were sailing there you may encounter animals um, there may be problems with your ship weather concerns um you are improving so you also have a dog sled so there's little dog meeples oh my gosh um because you're going around exploring obviously and you're working on your ship as well because you've got to sail and kind of go around if you're sailing, you got to work on your fuel levels and your crew. You need to keep them healthy. You need to keep up their morale. So you're managing that as well, which I love all those different like components that you're trying to manage. Then you are scoring points when you document your species because you're looking for, you know, to find new animals as you're going around this Northwest Passage. You are building shelters. You're mapping out the locations for others to follow. Um, there's goals that you can meet. All these things as you're going through the Northwest Passage. I love it. I love it. Um, there also is a mini expansion. It's got some cool stuff like permafrost. And like you have this really cool sled that you're working on in that. Um, it's got solo as well. Solo modes that look really cool because you're um, like actually trying to rescue some crew and heal them which i think is really cool i think there's two solo scenarios that are unlocked and they're working on unlocking a third the artwork is really neat like it looks um like the time period like it, it looks like an old whaling kind of i don't know like 1800 early 19 like it just has a really cool look to it I think it's through the 19th century. So we're talking 1800s. Um, and the meeples. Oh, oh, people. You know. You know how I feel about the meeples. Everybody knows. And this has got so many cool ones from your captains, your crew people, your Inuit guides, um, dogs. Like, it's it's just great. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, this looks like a really cool Euro game with lots of things to balance. I love that stuff. So if you're interested in that, check it out. There's only six days left on the Kickstarter by the time this drops. Uh, so hurry. But it looks really good. The base pledge is $53, which for everything includes in it, I'd say it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, this is one. I didn't know that Mike sent this to you. And I was like, dude, you need to check this game out because it looks sweet. And then you said it was on Mike's list. It, it looks really good. Like the art is great but i looked up when you were talking this company also did the game called peak oil that's pretty oh, popular yeah. and it has really awesome art too so they have a really cool um their art design and philosophy is always really cool in their game so this one's no obsession uh, exception and i this one's tempting to me i i this one looks good yeah this is a good one that would definitely be breaking your your 40 dollars rule oh it would and with the shipping it's going to be way over that too so yeah hmm. yep so check out three license now the next one is a game that Jason would not like because it's an RPG, but the theme oh, won me over completely. And this is called Brindlewood Bay Cozy Murder Mystery RPG. 
So the idea behind this Brindlewood Bay RPG is it's like you basically take Murder, She Wrote and mix it with Lovecraft. Okay, right, right. So you play this group of elderly women, these old ladies who live in this cozy little town. Um, They also belong to like a Murder Mavens mystery book club. So they're really interested in mysteries and they want to help the local authorities solve it. And they live in this, you know, cute little New England, England town. Totally murder she wrote, right? Um, but they they come to find out that in their little New England town, they're investigating these murders. Why are there so many murders in this quaint little town? Oh, because there is a cult at work in their town. And because of it and their their crazy ideas and sacrifices to blah, 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 the cthulhu gods stuff is going down. It sounds so interesting. It's really, it's set up... Um, to work like a TV show. So at the beginning of the game, the GM, uh, they're called the Keeper. They kind of give this credits overview of what's gonna of what's happening. Um, your ladies have cozy activities. They all have a little hobby, and that kind of helps them um, like support each other. You can use that kind of as as downtime almost. It helps remove negative conditions when they they engage their cozy activities. Um, but it, it is a mystery. So there are these clues, which I think what's interesting is the keeper, the GM doesn't even know the solution at first. I don't know how that works. I don't understand it. But they don't completely know the outcome. And so there's these clues. They're gathering the clues. Um, at the start, the, the keeper doesn't know what they mean. Eventually, I think it'll be revealed. But the the mavens, the murder mystery mavens, the murder mavens, they are gathering clues. They can discuss them. You can make like a murder board. They're theorizing. You know, they're, uh, there's these little mechanics that allow them to use their favorite mystery writer books that'll help them get insight in cases. Um, you know, they can do share some of their backstory in order to kind of help mitigate some dice rolls. There's a lot of really neat, interesting mechanics in this that I um, have never played from an RPG perspective, but this is like the kind of stuff I freaking love. I am a Hallmark murder mysteries, like hardcore fan. I have read so many like what people call cozy mysteries like this, where somebody has a little bookshop or they have a little cafe and someone gets murdered in their yard and they help the police solve it. Like I have watched every episode of Murder, She Wrote ever. Like this is my jam. I love a good murder mystery and I love a good tabletop game. And it's got even the different mysteries in it are so fun. It includes like a there's also a second one called the nephews. Nephews are in trouble or something. So they have to rescue their nephews, which is something that happens to Angela Lansbury all the time in Murder, She Wrote. Um, the, even the cases are stuff that you would find in most of these like, oh, there's a bake off show and someone gets, you know, the judge gets murdered. You know, there's a Christmas one and a Halloween one. Like it is so it's so fun. I desperately want this, want to get a group together to do this. Um, I think my friend that I Sherlock with, 
I think she would absolutely love this. And if we could get a few more together, I think this would be so fun. I would name my character Blanche, and she would just be like Blanche Devereaux from Golden Girls, but she would be a mystery-solving Blanche. Oh, my gosh. It would be amazing. So if you like cozy murder mysteries, if you like RPGs, or you know someone that does, this would be a really cool, fun gift. So check out Brindlewood Bay Cozy Murder Mystery RPG. There's 10 days left on this. And if you're not... It's just fun to read the content they have there. Um, it's 20 bucks if you want everything digital. If you want the hardback for the um, like initial book and for kind of the follow-up mystery, which is Nephews in Peril, both hardback versions together are $65. So it's really affordable. Um, I am super intrigued by it. Yeah, it sounds intriguing. Oh my gosh, you know how I feel about all these mysteries. No, it, isn't it funny? You made it sound cool. Like, I'll give you that. You made it sound It is cool. You're such a turd. You <laughs> Come on, make it, it explicit. Cool. Make it explicit. Do it. Oh my God. I'm not. I won't do it. <laughs> it looks awesome. You're freaking dumb. You can even also order a cookbook, which I think is really interesting. And there's a whole Roll 20 companion for this. Like, Oh, I think this would be so fun. Oh, jeez. You would. You're the worst. You would. Everybody else, check it out. It's fun. The last one is definitely more up your alley. Um, Euro game from Bedouin Games. This is their first game, and it looks like a really interesting one. And this is called The Flood. So The Flood builds on the biblical count of The Flood. What? Okay. That's aptly named. I know, right? So you each, each player is Noah, basically. Wait, that's, um, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> you got to Noah the best. I don't know. Anyway, so you, this board, the board's made of these really interesting different um, terrain hexes. You choose your location to start building your arc and like kind of your little compound to huts where you live. Um, there's dice to roll that are going to give you resources. They're going to move around. The mammoth, I'm not sure what the mammoth does based on this. Um, you're going to gather the resources to build things and upgrade things. One of the things you're going to build then at the end, you're working to build the arc. And there's these really cool like pieces of arc that fit together to make an arc, right? And then you also have to get animals on board. And then you have to survive the flood because the flood comes. This one... In order to really know exactly how the game plays, I'd probably have to watch a video, which I didn't do. And I won't do it at the moment. But you've got weather things going on, which the weather marker is obviously moving towards the flood. You are, you've got tools that you need to use. Um, these really neat arc module meeples. You've got huts and caravans and little cargo trails because you got to move your little camp and get everybody there get your uh, cars get your animals to the ark there are resource cards that and story cards that are using to move things around like it looks really cool like to me i keep wondering why this theme hasn't been explored before now because honestly the idea of racing to build an ark and put animals on it before a flood happens like that's a freaking really great kind of game mechanic. Like that theme works so well. Um, so there's dice rolling, there's trading, there's engine building. Um, 
there's a lot of really neat stuff in this from what I can already see. Now, problem is the bus components are obviously going to require you to pay a little bit more, which Jason would never back. But this, if you're interested in any of this, in the flood, in the ark, in Noah, or just a really different kind of theme where you're building a big boat and getting animals loaded on before a catastrophic flood happens, check this out. 13 days left on this Kickstarter. The base pledge is $55. If you want these really cool arc miniatures and uh, this extra like beast module, that's the deluxe version, $85. If you want the game, this extra beast module, which has got some cool beasts in it, the arc miniatures, you also, and there's an expansion for five to six players. So if you're like, oh, I play with more than four people a lot, there's a five to six player expansion called Rising Waters. There's metal coins. There's a game mat. If you want to go all in, really for an all in game backing, $149, actually not, it's pretty low. I've seen games where that's the base pledge. So if any of that interests you, check it out. The Flood, 13 days, base pledge, 55 bucks. Yeah, this one does look good. Like, I was unsure if the company was marketing this as like actually like a biblically themed game or just like a historical game so either way it doesn't really matter but because i like to cover biblical themes i wanted to get this on the channel but they would never get back to me but as far as bible themed games go this one looks probably the best of any of them that i've seen the production's great the gameplay looks really good um yeah definitely one that i want to check out for sure right and also while it is Obviously, in a lot of ways, biblically themed, it's not like religiously themed. Well, that's true. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. seem to be. It doesn't. It it doesn't really give me that vibe from anything I've seen on it. Um, so I think this can appeal to all kinds of players. Um, you know, depending on regardless of religion. Yeah, you so can, I think yeah, you could just look at it as like a story that everybody knows the Noah and the Ark thing. If you want to, yeah, that's true. right. So those are the games I have and the rants I have for news this week. All right. So let's get to talking about some games that we played. We won't stay on this too long because some of these we've played a couple times recently and they're not like new hotness games. So, you know, we can just uh, breeze over these. Um, but the first game that we played, we played with Katie's family. Well, we played all these with Katie's family, actually. And it is called Takedo. So we, we brought over Takedo just because um, her cousin doesn't and her husband, they don't play a ton of games, but they're getting into games. And we wanted to just kind of give them some options to play. And Takedo, you can't get much easier than Takedo. Walking through uh, Japan, visiting some hot springs, painting some pictures, buying souvenirs, and eating good food. That's the game. You're walking, collecting cards, trying to get more points than everybody else. Um, and it has the Takedo mechanism, aptly named, where if you're in last place, you get to go first the next turn, So, which is pretty cool. So still a fine game. Not my favorite game of all time, but it's if one of those games that you can play and just sit around and also have conversation, and you're not going to be missing out on much because there's not a ton of deep strategy here that you know requires a ton of thinking. So what do you think about Takedo? I really like Takedo. I always have. It's so beautiful. It's Japanese themes, and it's one of those games that I always feel relaxed when I play it. Like, even though you're fighting for spots and 
you're trying to think of ways like how can I take the most turns and get all the different kind of goals I want. It never feels stressful. It just doesn't. And the board is like this beautiful minimalist looking kind of creation, the cards, I mean, the artwork paintings, like it is it is just over the top in gorgeousness. Like, I like it. I never do well at this game. I don't know if it's because I, I get so distracted by all the stuff and the way things look and the I, I just always do terribly. So there must be some kind of strategy because I don't know what it is. Um, but I think I really like to bring this game out periodically because I do miss it. Um, because it is so relaxing and easy to teach and um, yeah, just fun. I like it. Yeah. I think I like the way the game looks. I think the components are nice, but I do wish the cards were a little better. The cards remind me of like Hasbro cards. They have pointy uh, sides look like they were just like perforated and ripped apart. So I wish they had like real cards. I, I don't know. That's the only thing that always, has always bothered me about the game. But outside of that, I think the art, I really love the art, the white and the way everything looks is really nice. All right, so the next game we played, um, Katie's cousin's husband is into racing games, Camel Up. They like Camel Up. So we busted out Long Shot the Dice Game because everybody loves betting on the ponies. And this one's a pretty simple one, a little roll and write uh, horse racing game where you are trying to bet on the horse that you think is going to come in first, second, or third. And you want to eventually buy one of those horses because if they get first, second, or third, you get some extra cash. You're trying to um, meet your concession stand and sell stuff in there so you can get money and other kinds of rewards. Um, You're trying to get helmets and jerseys so you can score extra points. Effectively, all you're trying to do is end the game with the most money. And a lot of that's going to come from owning and betting, but there are a few other ways. And this game is great. It's fast, and it can play up to six or eight players, one one of those two, which is nice. It's a fast game that you can accommodate a lot of people with and i appreciate that Uh, i think they all had a good time playing it because again we love camel up and this is just uh a horse a fast silly horse version of a nice racing game and that's cool so how do you feel about long shot this time because i don't think you actually lost this time right no i actually won or i was close to winning i came in second i think yeah i think jeremy won yeah and normally i'm dead last uh (laughs) but I think it's because we played it with the right rules, finally. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, I missed a couple of rules the first couple of plays. Because to me, like, for a while when we played, the only way to win, the way that you make big money, is to actually own the winning horse. But if you're able to increase your bet above, like, $3, and so you can make multiple bets on the same horse and really uh, make that multiplier work for you, you can kind of mitigate the fact that someone owns the horse and you don't. So it's like, oh, yeah, you own this horse and you're trying to make it win. Fine. I'll just bet high on it to get as much money out of it or more money out of it than you would when it wins. And I think kind of having a different strategy, looking at it that way um, really helped. Again, I, I like this game because there are so many different things that you can choose to do. And now that betting makes more sense. There truly are multiple pathways to victory on this. And um, it's like a, a roll and write mixed with the ridiculousness of those racing games that we love, like Camel Up. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good. It's, it's really grown on me, actually. Yeah, so the, the rule that I messed up, there were a couple. We were 
marking secondary movement incorrectly initially. And I thought that you could only bid on each horse one time to a maximum of $3. So I was like, this betting is really lame, but it's just per turn. You can only bet up to $3 on a horse. So if you add to it, you know, you can keep adding to it and you can get a bunch of bets on the same horse if you want to. So I missed that. And it was making our scores really low and the bidding not as fun (laughs) or the betting not as fun. All right. So the last game we played, Katie begrudgingly played because she's not a, a huge fan of this one, apparently. And it is Century Spice Road. Uh, I played Century Gollum a couple weeks ago, but um, Katie's cousin and her husband uh, have never played it, so he wanted to play it. She actually didn't play, but he wanted to play it, so we busted it out, and I think everybody liked it. So if you don't know what Century is, uh, you're trying to collect cubes by playing these cards in your hand that are either going to give you cubes or going to upgrade cubes. There's four different level of colors of cubes. And you're trying to get certain colors and certain numbers of cubes to fulfill these contracts. So on your turn, you're either going to play a card and manipulate some cubes. You're going to take a card from the card market by uh, either take the first one for free or put a cube on every one that you want to pass. Or you're going to pick up all your cards because once you have no cards, you can't play any cards anymore. Or you're going to complete a contract by turning in cubes. That's it. And the game's going to end when someone has five uh, completed contracts. And then you finish that round and whoever has most points is the winner. It's a really simple um, engine building game. Well, card engine hand management game or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And uh, it's, I enjoy it a lot. Katie, not so much, I don't think, but I'll let her talk about it. So go ahead and uh, blast Sentry if you want to. No, I have always said this is a great game. This is a game that people love. It's a game that right out of the box has really nice components, which I think help non-gamers be drawn in the the niceness of the art, the tactile kind of bowls and, um, you know, tarot size cards. Those are things that people like a lot. I just have terrible at this game. I somehow won, which never happens. Um, but I've been trying to get better at figuring out how to use my cards and make them effective and make a better engine to get cubes. Um, which I think is the one downfall of this. You can't, like shuffle through cards without paying. Um, yeah, that's a lot. true. Sweeping the market would be nice. That would be a nice thing. Um, and if other people are content with their cards, then you are not going to see other cards unless you take your turn pulling cards, which means you're not getting cues, which means you're not getting things to fill contracts. Um, but no, I think it's a good game. I just suck at it. So <laughs> I mean, I'm glad we have it, and I like to have other people play it. I just don't myself need to play it yeah i just like it because again it can i think it can play to five and it's easy like you can play this with anybody i mean on your turn you're doing one of these four things and this is the cube hierarchy this is how you upgrade cubes now let's go like it's really easy to play really easy to teach and that's why i kind of like it all right so those are the games we played let's get going Okay, so we're, I think, approaching the end of our publisher series. If you've hated them, I'm sorry. Um, You can wait a few weeks, take a break from us, get past them. And we'll come on to something else pretty soon. Con season's coming up, so we'll probably be discussing Origins and Gen Con as well. Um, But today we have a company that we have a decent amount of their games because we like ugly games. And for the most part... (laughs) These games have hideous artwork, um, but they are like 
classic tried and true Euros. And we're looking at Mayfair slash Lookout Games. I don't know if like one company bought out the other. They just changed their name. I think Lookout is an imprint of Mayfair. So like Mayfair does some games, but Lookout's like the heavier Euro version. I think so. I think that's how it works. I'm not sure. Okay. Y'all know I don't know. So um, they are linked together somehow. And we have a combined list of our top seven. We've got some honorable mentions as well, because like I said, you know, we love the old ugly games. I mean, and again, like I don't want to cast any kind of asperity on this publisher. We really like them. We have lots of their games. They're just not as aesthetically pleasing as others. But I had a lot of trouble ranking these because I really enjoy these games and we do play them a lot. So Jace, why don't you start with number seven on our list of Mayfair Lookout games? All right. So number seven, I actually had rated a lot higher than Katie. So here's one. You all say the rankings are skewed. So here you go. Um, Number seven is an Uwe Rosenberg classic and it is La Havre. And this is a game where you're taking on the role of, I don't know, a merchant, I guess. And you're you're using these buildings that are, exist in the town. You're trying to collect goods, upgrade goods, and then ultimately sell those goods by shipping them off to earn money, points, and all that kind of thing. Um, typical Uwe stuff, tons of stuff you want to do. Can't do it all. Got to feed your people, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I like this game quite a bit. It's really good. It's a pain in the butt to set up, and the little bits, the way they go on the board is super annoying. But outside of that, I think the gameplay is fun. So number seven is Lahav for us. The thing that really bugs me about Lahav is it's so much to set up, and there's just these piles of chits everywhere that fall over, and it really matters what side they're on. Yeah, if we that's had a, true. a better setup system, maybe I would play it more. I wonder if those little 3D printed things that Chris made would work better i know i I thought about that number six is a little game a game that i've introduced to so many people and they have just immediately gone out and bought it and that game is no thanks i honestly didn't know this is a mayfair lookout games i wonder if someone else publishes it a lot of different versions yeah a lot of different people do it apparently we happen to have this version maybe yes i believe so um so in no thanks you have cards from three to i believe 38 Yeah, 36, 38, something like that. Something like that. 37. And what you're trying to do is score the lowest points, like a golf score. So in order to do that, a card is laid out. If you are like, ooh, that's each card, the number on the card corresponds to the number of points it is worth. If you see a card come up, you're like, whoa, 35. I do not want that. No thanks. Hence the name of the game. You Everyone is given the same number of chips at the beginning of the round, and you have to lay a chip on it to pass it by. The interesting thing about the chips is they are actually negative one point. So if everyone passes for a while, selling that 35 is really more like 25 or 20 points. And that's much more reasonable than 35 points. Um, However, if you run out of chips, you're going to have to take the card because you can't pass. Um, The other unique thing about No Thanks is that if you get a run of cards, if I start with 35 and I have a 32, if I can get 33 and 34 in between, 32 is the only number that I'm scoring. However, at the beginning of the round, a number of cards are taken out. So you don't know if all the consecutive numbers are in there or if someone else is just to spite you going to take a number in your run so that you have to count all the points that you have of the cards instead of the lowest number in a run. 
super easy, super fun, play multiple rounds. Um, I have such a good time with this. And the last two people I've introduced it to, I know have gone out immediately and bought the game. Um, so that's why it's our number six. Even for such a simple game, it's so good. No thanks. Yeah, I enjoy this game quite a bit. It was both of our number sixes. So it's, you know, we both like it equally amount, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's really fun. Every time you play it, it's just trying to screw people over so they have to take numbers they don't want. Uh, bluffing how much chips you have unless people are really paying attention and like counting. It's it's a good time. It's a very fun game for sure. All right. So number what five? Yeah, that was number six. So the next would be number five um, is a game that is a beast and I'm terrible at and I'm probably never going to get any better such as life. Another Uwe classic. And this one is Agricola. So Agricola is a worker placement game where you're trying to grow plants um build houses collect animals grow your family so you have more workers play these cards so you can have occupations and upgrades to stuff so you can have better actions but at its heart it's just a simple worker placement game with tons and tons of options and this i don't know if it's the first game that had the feed your people mechanism but this one is the meanest about it where if you can't feed your people, you have to take a begging card. You can lose a pile of points and ultimately maybe end the game with negative points. If you're terrible like me, um, all that being said, I still a great game. I still like it. I'd like to play it more. I just dread setting it up because it sucks. So number five for us, Agricola. Yeah. This stuff does suck because it has all those little, when we have all of them, like carrot shaped things and meatballs for all your different animals, which I love. Um, but it does take a lot of time to set up and you have to get all the different cards um, with the different numbers out there. Um, I don't understand why you're so bad at this. I, I just I, I get distracted know. doing the other things and I don't want to feed my stupid people. They can go work for their own food and feed themselves. I want to do other that, things. That's your job is to make them work <laughs> for the food. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to do other stuff. But I would like to play this more. I agree. Uh, number four. And for being a game that we just played and then acquired um, within the past month, that should tell you how good this is. And our, our, our buddy Chris that brought it over, he does not like this game hardly at all, which I find sad because it's so good. And this is De Volgari Eloquentia. I, that's as close to my Latin as I get. Um, so this game obviously has the most probably boring to most people theme but it's one i love so like your fabric merchants and um you're trying to get a language for the common people so that you can write your contracts in that way um so that you're kind of moving away from this elite traditional latin to a common kind of italian language um so you are going i mean and and honestly this is with some famous real people Francis of Assisi and Dante um that are working on this kind of vulgari which is common language common that's what the or origin of the word vulgar is fyi oh explicit. explicit that's what i'm marking it i'm marking it <laughs> and so in this you are going all over italy 
Um, working on getting knowledge, getting manuscripts, finding secrets in these books in the Papal Library. You can do it as a merchant, which the fabric merchants kind of are the impetus behind this. Or you can go into the church um, and try to be the Pope and also work on the language that way. And you're just getting points in like a bunch of different ways, as many ways as you can, which I obviously really enjoy. So there's like tracks everywhere and it's just like basic brown artwork. Um, But I think the theme is super cool, too, for me. So that's why it's our number four, De Valgari Eloquentia. So I did make an exception for this one because uh, ours isn't actually Mayfair, but it's from a publisher that only has like two games, and this is the only one we have. So I, since Mayfair did it, I put it on this list. But oh, <laughs> this is a great game. I love it. I I want to play it more because it's yeah. I don't know. The theme is cool, and the way that the tracks work together, and the way that the gameplay works with the action selection is our action point system is really neat yeah it's so good i love it all right so number three is actually a game that i thought was going to be higher but (laughs) apparently not and it is a game that i got for christmas katie bought it for me and then we got all the expansions and it's fantastic we played it a ton and we can't get enough well i can't get enough and it is lords of vegas and this is actually from mayfair and lone shark but we have no other Lone Shark games because they're usually RPGs and stuff. So the fact that they did this one, I'm surprised by. Um, and this is a game about building hotels and casinos in Vegas, trying to make money, um, trying to get as big a hotel as you can get so you can score as many points as you can get. If you have some of the expansions, you're getting maybe some cards that will let you break some of the rules, give you extra points, mess some other people over, that kind of thing. Um, it's a great game. It's not super complicated to play. Takes a little minute to learn because there's, you know, five or six, seven actions that you can have to explain. But once you play through a couple rounds, everybody gets it. And it's just great to play every time. So number three, Lords of Vegas. And sorry, good luck trying to find it until the Kickstarter comes out. Sorry, we apologize now. Yeah, I I also really like this game. I just ranked it a little bit lower because the last time I played it, I was like, uh, you know, it, it wasn't as good of experience as it had been previously. And I didn't play with any of the expansions, so I don't know if those made a difference. Um, or if it's because I kept getting interrupted during the game. I don't know. It's probably it's, it's probably w- where you played it. That that would be my guess. Yeah. It's still very good, and I obviously still enjoy this game, and I'm sad that it's not more readily available because most people that we teach it to really enjoy it, and I wish they could get their hands on a decently priced copy. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Even probably when they do the Kickstarter, not going to be decently priced because that's just how it goes. Well, but I mean, as long as it's not deluxe only. Oh, that's true. I, that's true. That is true. Yeah, that's what I mean. All right. Our number two game is... I play. We play a lot of Vital Asserta games, which are notoriously difficult. I've played a lot of very, what we call crunchy games, This one is up there. And that game is Mercator. So in Mercator, you're moving around to visit cities to collect goods and fulfill orders. That's honestly what you're doing. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's it. That's it. But don't let that fool you. It's freaking hard. (laughs) Um, Because you're also balancing time because it takes time to get to different cities. Um, You're also like have to bounce storage space because sometimes stuff can rot. Like the place where you pick up um, 
a resource is not the place where you ever need to drop it off. Like it, it is hard. The time management, like my students always tell me, I'm really bad at time management. This game is like that. <laughs> like you realize I'm terrible at time management. It is so difficult. You're like, this is pick up and deliver. But it's it's like the most, I would say, realistic in some ways, pick up and deliver, because we all know there are supply chain problems like right now, like this, is, you are working in a difficult supply chain scenario. However, like the desire to figure out that puzzle, um, to do it the most efficiently, to get as many goods as you can and drop them off, um, in those those higher scoring places, like that's what drives me to keep playing this game. Again, ugly brown, tan, um, but there's lots of different colored cubes, which I think is really fun. And they come, you they have these little boxes that are that come as part of the game, so you have them set up around. So it's actually pretty easy to set up and maintain this game, which I think is another reason why I like to jump in on it. And who doesn't love pick up and deliver? Uh, so that's why number. Two is Mercator. It's our number two. Um, I said that's why number two is oh, Mercator. Oh, I think you said it was mine. Uh, this is Hold also- up. <laughs> this is also an Uve game as well. And unlike the other two, you don't have to feed any fools in this one. You're just uh, assuming that they're fed, which is kind of nice. Uh, but yeah, the setup probably is the reason why it's higher for me as well, because you just get that box out, pour the cubes in, and you're ready to go. <laughs> it's super easy. And yeah, I'm a huge fan. All right, so number one, should be no surprise. If you've listened to our top 100, you've listened to other lists that we've talked about. This game's fantastic, and it's from Mayfair. So it uh, is one of our number one games of all time, and that is Grand Austria Hotel. So since it's a number one game of all time, it should probably be number one on this list. And this is a dice placement or dice drafting game where you're using dice to build rooms in this hotel to get different food to feed your guests. Once your guests have been fed, they will go to sleep in the hotel. And you're trying to, and certain colored guests, so there's red, yellow, blue, and green. Red, yellow, and blue have to be in the appropriate color room. A green can stay in any color room. You're trying to close off certain groups of rooms. They're going to give you bonuses. You're trying to make sure that the emperor is happy because he'll come slap you around at certain points if you don't meet some criteria or have enough points on his track. Um... Yeah, just a lot of stuff to do in this game. Not a lot of time to do it. And that's what I like in a good Euro and why we picked this as our number one. Because it's great. It's fantastic. We even have an expansion we haven't played yet. And we'll probably make it even better. So can't wait. So number one, obviously, Grand Austria Hotel. Yes, this is my number two game of all time. And it has been my number one for many years. I love this game. I just... I just love this game every time i play it i'm like dang this game is so good and trying to juggle all the things and use the dice well and use your cards for your employees to do things that you can't do because the dice aren't necessarily working in your favor or you can't get to them and we still haven't played the let's waltz expansion which i can't wait to get to like uh it yes it absolutely deserves to be number one and it you've heard me wax on on about it like i could get explicit talking about grand Oster hotel how much i love it but i won't <laughs> <laughs> yeah please don't no so those are our top seven um mayfair lookout games we also have some honorable mentions um star trek to Catan. Catan, i know basic entry blah blah but dude i'm a trekkie okay like to see my little enterprises line up on there uh, I, 
you know, you can make all the jokes and references you want. Like, it's a nerd's paradise. And it's actually the only version of Catan that we have now because we we love it so much. I think it's way out of print. Uh, now. They just did a new one, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you can get it if you want it. Oh, good, good. Because I think, um, like, while it's not one I'm going to trot out, you know, all the time, it is, like, a fun form to have. And another game that I is... This game is ugly. And I know we've talked about Ugly Tan, and we like those kind of games. Um, I really liked the game Toledo, and it was kind of high on my list. Um, I don't think Jason liked that much. I don't think anybody else I played it with liked that much because um, I thwarted like everyone else's attempts to do anything in the game because I just owned every spot and they had to pay me. Um, but you're crafting swords in the famous Spanish city of Toledo. And I just think that that's a really, it, it's a really cool theme. Uh, the mechanism of moving around, collecting stuff, possibly do I pay cards, like multi-use cards. There's a lot of good stuff in Toledo. Um, the other three honorable mentions we have, I've actually never played, so Jason's going to have to talk about them. All right, so first, you just said you like a Martin Wallace game, because Toledo is Martin Wallace. And- Apparently, I like Marty Wallace's. <laughs> All his games are ugly. Um, yeah, the one word, Toledo, London. <laughs> brass, you love brass. No, I do not. Uh, no, I, I like Toledo. I thought it was good. I, I would like to get a copy of it, but it's just... It was super cheap for a long time, and everybody has it, but now no one apparently wants to get rid of it, so it's hard to get. But yeah, it's good. So I actually had these other two of the next three rated on my rankings, but since Katie didn't play them, I moved them down to honorable mentions, just so we could talk about them anyway. So uh, Mandala was actually sent to us from a listener, Fred. Freddy, you know who you are. And uh, I've played it. Fred. I played it a couple times with my friend Brandon, but Katie hasn't yet played it. It's a really cool little card game where you're building mandalas, trying to score a pile of points. And the way the points work is really weird and interesting. Kind of takes a minute to grasp, but it's a a cool little two-player only thinky abstract game, and it's fun. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci is a game that I I haven't played it for a long time, Um, so it wasn't on wasn't on my rankings. But you're trying to build. Um, things that Leonardo da Vinci invented. And the way you're doing that is do some worker placement and some resource gathering and all that kind of thing. Again, haven't played it for a long time, so I could be off base, but it's an early Italian design. So before they got their act together and streamlined some stuff, they did Leonardo da Vinci. And Snowdonia, which is a game about building a railroad in, I think, the Snowdonia Mountains. I don't know anything about it. Again, geography is not my thing. Um, <laughs> but you're trying to build a railroad through these mountains, and you're doing that by some worker placement. You have to clear off rubble. You have to make sure that it's safe to build the railroads, and then you're trying to build the railroad around, build train stations and all that kind of thing to score the most points and a worker placement game. So Snowdonia is good, and I've only played it with one. I've only played it one time with another friend, and so I, you know, Katie hasn't played this one, but still solid. So those are some honorable mentions that we have. Yeah. So what about the rest of you? I don't think anyone loves um, ugly tan games as much as we do. But maybe you do. So tell us about your favorite Mayfair Lookout games or ones that we've missed because we probably will like them. I would imagine. Um, So let us know. Or if you just want to talk about other games or tell me I'm wrong with my rankings or you want to like try and put me on blast on social media, go for it. Because I don't read the comments. Jason does. 
Um, just kidding. I mean, I do read the comments on some of our, our things. I just don't have access to all of them because Jason's the social media king. So if you want to directly blast me, go to Facebook, go to our Facebook group, hashtag the riveted, um, join our discord channel. I mean, you could always DM me, I suppose. Um, but we've also got Instagram, Twitter and the YouTubes. Um, I know people like to use social media as ways to just yell at other people and basically resolve, no, not resolve their problems, air their grievances in a completely unadult way. That is not how we work on our social media presences. We're there to talk about board games, discuss games, have a good time. So I guess, no, don't get on the social medias and blast me. Just DM me directly because that's what grownups should do. Yeah, I'm not I'm- directly talking about anyone in particular on social media any of the board game groups that exist maybe i am <laughs> i told jason that i wouldn't call out anybody in specific <sighs> one of these days i'm just going to this is already an explicit episode might as well <laughs> yeah if you put nasty comments on our, our page i'm just going to delete them because that's not what we try <laughs> to do here so um you can but it'll be deleted so you're just wasting time but so right and Jason doesn't even get upset about them like I would. I would get mad and then delete them. He just deletes. Yeah, I don't even feel bad about it. Like, we're not trying to have that environment. You can go be toxic somewhere else. I'm just going to uh, talk about games with people who like to talk about games and ignore you and pretend you don't exist. So that's, that's how right. that... There are plenty of toxic board game Facebook groups out there. I know. I don't belong to them, really. Um, I belong to a couple of the big, like, board game face groups just so I can see, like, if actual good news or stuff is out there um but i always laugh when people like are up in arms about something i'm like seriously this is what you're doing right now like why would you get on there and blast a game and like go on and on about how it hurts you or go on and on about how the community hurts you instead of going and dress directly addressing that person that company that designer now if you go to them and they treat you terribly and they don't listen to you and they're unwilling to own up to their actions or they don't give you any explanation or whatever, then sure. Then you maybe go to another like person or two and see if maybe you're taking it the wrong way or you're misunderstanding them because I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And then after that, fine, blast them. But that should not be your first action. Like I feel like I shouldn't have to explain this to people. This is like what I explain to my kids and what I explain to my students. If you have a problem with someone, you come to them directly and try to solve it. If that doesn't work, then you can get someone else involved. If that doesn't work, then okay, you bring it to the, the larger group. It's just common courtesy people. Yeah, I think social media just brings out the worst in everybody. And it's it's always a, a ready, fire, aim thing. Like, you're like, oh, maybe I should have, you know, actually gone about this a different way. But too late, I already <laughs> pulled the trigger and put this post out there. So, yeah, I, yeah, it's just... It makes all common sense go out the window sometimes. And I think that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, I just like to climb my ranty soapbox about it, which I guess is probably their social media thing where I get on my ranty soapbox. But that that just bothers me. Like, that's not how you resolve conflict. Go to the person first. My other issue is that well, this really bugs me. And I'm sure that you all, if you follow any of the boarding groups, can figure out who I'm talking about. And that's fine. If that person is upset, they can come to me directly. That some people are are upset about the fact that people called them out on doing paid reviews and not disclosing it. 
you should disclose that. Like, if it's a paid promotion sponsored video, people are still going to watch it. But then they know, okay, you got something out of this. We take no money for any of our reviews. I talk about stuff in the podcast simply because I want to. Obviously, as you can see, whatever I feel like, because nobody pays me for it. I'm going to pay for this. We pay for this. We do get free, um, free games sometimes. Now, yes, yes, we do get free games, but we're always up front and say, you know, I'm not going to take money for review. I would like to look at your game. That doesn't mean it's going to be a glowing review. Or I feel we have an obligation to represent our feelings about a game accurately and if there are strings attached to getting a game, then we won't do the review. Like we shot ourselves in the foot, and I say we, I shot myself <laughs> in the foot by blasting Eagle Griffin because their games cost too much. And, you know, so be it. I still stand by it. But, yeah, that's the kind of thing that if we got paid, we wouldn't be able to do. Right. So I don't, I'm not saying that makes us better than anybody else, but you also know that when I talk about a game, either it's because I really like it or I really don't. And not because somebody is paying me to do it or I am a corporate shell to a company. If that's your bag, like, absolutely. You are welcome to make money. Like, it's probably the better idea. Like, I get it. Like, you need to take care of yourself. You don't have to muzzle the ox while treading the grain. Like, I absolutely agree with that statement. That's just not the way we've chosen so that I can shoot my mouth off about whatever I want and not really upset somebody um, because, you know, I have no ties. All that being said, if someone wants to drop 10000 to sponsor a podcast, <laughs> hit me up. Hit me up. Jason will talk about whatever you want in glowing terms. I will not. I'll be a good Jason little puppet. Jason will sell himself yeah, out. I will. I will. I have no problem with it. I, I would do it. <laughs> I have too much of a 90 kid in me. <laughs> the whole like damn the man kind of corporate sellout angst, I guess. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, we love to talk about games. We obviously love to give our honest opinion about games. And um, we love to hear your honest opinions about games because you know what? The great thing about the hobby is finding games that different people like for different reasons. And you're allowed to like what you like. Who am I to poop on that? Like, so join any of our social medias and tell us about what you like. Like, good. We have plenty of friends that like those World Resolve combat miniature games. We're not going to talk about them on the podcast because we don't. But you're welcome to talk about it on our social medias because it's what you like. Yeah, I can delete. I can delete those comments too. <laughs> oh my gosh! Now you're going to make people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can talk about it. I'll even chime in a little bit. Oh my gosh, we've gone on long enough. I'm sure, <laughs> and we're not going to have anybody left after this explicit episode. So I guess it doesn't really matter. We don't get paid if we have one listener or a thousand listeners. It's true. So. That doesn't matter. Yep. It's true. Oh, thanks for hanging in there, everybody. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.
I feel like at the end, I should just say a bunch of potty words and you can bleep them all out. (laughs) 